Hey, the Insignificant Others podcast is back. We've been gone for a little while. We took a little bit of a hiatus in... Uh, that's just because Rob's an elitist. But uh, I told him I wouldn't say that, so I had to, of course. Uh, we're excited to be back after our our long layoff. Rob, how are you doing? It's doing been a while. I think I've seen you about, what, last year? Well, not just last year, but like 12 months ago. Well, Brett, one, one night I... Woke up in a deep sweat and realized that hanging out with you and doing podcasts was kind of bringing me down in life. Yeah, I can so do I decided that. I decided to make a change. But but the 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 truth is that I think we're we're creative types, and you know we're no different than a TV show director or a movie writer, an actor, if you will. We need breaks. You got to recharge your battery. We have that's to what, recharge that's why our TV batteries. Shows go on hiatus. That was that yes. was our hiatus. So we're no different than the Game of Thrones or The Walking Dead or any of those other shows that take some hiatuses, so. except for success. Yes, viewers the, or listeners in our case. So. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, do you feel reinvigorated after our long break? Are I'll you say ready yes. to get this thing going? Sure, absolutely. And you know what? I'm excited about our our, our guest tonight. So. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't oversell him. Well, I'm, I'm trying to build him up a little bit here. So our guest tonight is a uh, dad in the neighborhood, uh, an all-around great guy. And, and he was actually named by D Magazine. Were you ever named by D Magazine as anything, Rob? No, because I never paid D Magazine to name me anything. Oh, that's what it that, is. I think yeah. that's kind of how that works. Maybe I'm going to get D Magazine to name me one of the you know, 100 best fathers in the... Seven five two two five area code, or, or maybe what about what about D Magazine best podcasting duo? There you go. I like that. We could we might tie for like ninety ninth in that list. And then I would be singularly uh, set out uh, as D Magazine's best face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> but so our guest was named by D Magazine in two thousand and ten. So it's been a while. I don't know if it's been updated, but you know. Seven years ago, yeah, he was one of the best wealth managers and financial planners in Dallas. He's a Goldman Sachs, of course. We're talking about speaking of elitist, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> we're talking about Colin Leslie Thomason. So, right off the I bat, Colin, with name. with a middle name like Leslie, and it's kind of the question of the year: Do you identify as male or female with a name like Colin and Leslie? It's it's a good question, Brett. And um, yeah, what you know. I, I think it's safe to say my uh, my mom wanted a girl with that last one. Yeah, so, and uh, she about I succeeded. A, I, got a, uh, I got an unfortunate middle name. <laughs> it was all downhill from there, yeah. right? It's yeah, okay. It John Wayne's real name was Marion. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. A boy named Sue. You know? A boy named Sue. Yeah, yeah. kind of deal with your own, you know, things to overcome in life. No, speaking it, of a boy named Sue, I don't mean to, to interject here, but I literally had a conversation at work about this today. Is is there nothing hotter than an attractive lady that has a boy's name? Uh, for, exa- for example, Sam. Or Alex. Or Charlie. Like Samantha Ponder? Or... I, I'm just... Is there I a think Charlie? I can't think of a Charlie. I, I, I have... I think you're kind of stretching there. No, I'm not. I'm not. Is there a girl named Charlie? You know I, 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 I know, or at, in my lifetime, I have run across a very attractive lady named Charlie. That, you might go on beyond to something there. And Sam. I know a Sam. Yeah, Samantha's the yeah. girl by Sam. I mean, it's yeah. short for Samantha, but anyway. Yeah, I digress. Yeah, Sorry, Brad. I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. your, no, yours and Leslie's conversation. Thanks for shooting our wheels out. <laughs> we appreciate that. So, can I call you Leslie? Yeah, please. You know, I'm glad that you're, you know, 10 listeners out there yeah. now know that. 
That's one of the reasons why we brought you on here, because we, uh, we wanted you to be identified you in the know, community. I mean, I know we've been off the air for a while with you guys, and uh, I talked to Brett about it at a basketball game, you know. But, you know, I think it's part of the creative process, creative block. And that's really why you're on tonight is because if Rob gets into this elitist mode, oh, he God. might be too good for me. I'm going to need another podcast partner. <laughs> I'm here to knock him down. Is this, oh, a, is this a live tryout? Yes, this okay. is. I'm here to knock him down. I'm going to make sure you totally fail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to need any help. <laughs> All right. So, uh, and, and, and I mean this with just love in my heart, Colin. You really bring out the insignificant and insignificant others. So we're happy to have you on. But we, want, we do want we do want to hear your story. So you grew up in Fort Worth. Talk about elitism. He went to Country Day. Country Day. Yeah. yeah I, do you have I to say that with a British accent? Brett, I am your second second Country, country Day, day yeah. Falcon. Yeah. Vincent. Yeah. And I got to tell you, that guy's story was was awesome. I mean, very emotional. To listen to. Uh, but that guy, when I was growing up, now he was a fair amount older than I was. We're talking about Mark Benson, Mark by the Benson, way. Mark Benson, yeah, uh, was just like, uh, I mean, he walked on water at that school. Yeah. He's just famous. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you another funny story, and this relates to you, Rob. You remember when you talked me into hosting the cornhole tournament? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, We so, tore up your yard. Yeah, yeah. So Lauren had decided we needed some new grass. Lauren's my wife um, in, the, in the front yard. And so they put it in on a Wednesday. I think we had that cornhole yeah. deal on a Thursday. I remember I, that. I was in East Texas, uh, and I had some meetings out there, and I was coming back, and it rained all day. Anyway, so we're in the second round of the cornhole tournament. I had no idea Mark Benson was there. I'd actually never met Mark. I just knew his name and knew the legend. And um, I was sitting there warming up for the second round, and this guy comes up to me and he says, "Hey, man, this this son of a bitch's yard is getting really, <laughs> really messed up." And yeah. I was like, "Yeah, I'm that son of a bitch." <laughs> you know? that's no joke. And so that's how I met him. Now. Yeah, and he said, "Mark Benson." I immediately knew who he was. That's an, that's incredible. Yeah. But thank you for that too, by the way. Yeah, no, that's that's yeah. just for trash kind of how our relationship works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mean that you're a user? There's no give. It's just completely <laughs> take. Yeah. I'm yeah, a user. He's hitting me up for the salesmanship sponsorships too, you know. There you go. Yeah, well. Yeah, he's good. He's a good I, salesman. I uh, accidentally deleted that email when I receive it. Because <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So what was it like growing up in Fort Worth? I, I grew up in Fort Worth too. Yeah, but I'm I'm a little older than you. I hate to say, but uh, we we talked about it earlier. Fort Worth's changed so much; it's not even like it was back then. Yeah, it re- really. Uh, you know, I, I I loved growing up there. Uh, I, I started off at a, at another school uh, called Trinity Valley over there. And then, so I actually lived closer to Trinity Valley yeah. than I did to uh, Country Day. Yeah, yeah. Now it because it's now closer to Crowley. They moved. Yeah. And and so my parents moved me over in the fifth grade. My brother and I, I've got an older brother, Chris, who's 20 months older, moved us over to Country Day for various reasons. And, uh, yeah, it was great. I've got nothing but great things to say about Fort Worth and the people. And just my parents are still there, so I'm over there quite a bit. I was telling you earlier, I romanticized Fort Worth in my mind. It was just such a... You know, I've got a sign in my garage that says, Life's too short to live in Dallas. And here yep. I am living in Dallas. But uh, I romanticize in my mind, but every time I go back, I don't recognize it. It's changed so much. Even the highways going through are completely different. Everything you see is completely different. Yeah. 
Lauren, my wife, you know, grew up in, in Austin, so we always have a debate what's a better city. And clearly Austin's kind of carrying the torch in terms of publicity these days, but I, I still love Fort Worth. I'd love to live there. And I love Dallas. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I love living in Dallas. And <clears throat> I think with the in-laws, you know, having a buffer is probably a, a healthy thing to have in a marriage. So Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and then you went to Rice University. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so are you ready to come out of the closet as a nerd? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We talked a little bit about well, not that. Not to us, to our audience. Yeah. yeah we yeah. already know. No, yeah. No, I wish I could say I was a nerd. Uh, I, I, I'm not a very smart guy. I'll tell you the story how I got in there. My brother, again, was a year older than me in school, uh, got a scholarship in football to play at, play at Rice. Uh, and so he went down there, he redshirted, and he just absolutely hated it, hated it. And so he came back home that summer. I was, uh, it applied to Texas and to Princeton and Rice. And I got rejected by Princeton. I got waitlisted at Rice, and I got accepted to UT. So I went on the whole, you know, summer pledgeship thing with uh, the UT, accepted a bid, and had roommates and everything else down there. And uh, I remember distinctly, uh, coming home from playing golf with my mom and my brother. My brother was getting ready to go back down to Rice for two days. And there was a, uh, a, you know, it was in the old days of an answering machine. And the head coach at Rice was a guy named Fred Goldsmith. And he was on there. He said, Chris, give me a call. Uh, I think there's a situation that's come up where your brother, we might be able to get him in school. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe he wants me to walk on or something to, to come down there. But uh, what he wanted me to do was to come down and be on the film crew. Uh, and this is, you know, that wasn't a real kind of glamorous role in my eyes to be <laughs> yeah. on the film crew at Rice for the football team. And uh, so I thought about it. And, and it's a funny thing about incentives. My dad had, had set aside money for my brother and I to go to school. And he said, whatever you don't use, you get to keep. And so I knew my brother wasn't using any of his money. He was on a scholarship. And they'd offered me a scholarship to be on the film crew. Um and I, I said, okay, I'll do it. My thought was it was really to appease my parents uh, at the time. And I figured I'd go down there for a year, and then I'd, I'd transfer to UT, and all would be good. You know, I'd go on down the road. And uh, and you'd still, pocket the difference in tuition? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but the monetary incentive meant something for sure. And I uh, ended up staying there and, uh, uh, you know, got a – full scholarship to kind of be down there and uh, ended up getting out without any injuries or anything. And I tell you what's funny. There's another guy in our community here, a guy named Brendan Fitzgerald. Yeah. He's a great guy. Uh, and Brendan went down there was a, you know, a heralded recruit and he got injured. And so to keep his scholarship, you know, that that's really who populated the film crew were guys that got injured to keep their scholarship and uh, so Brennan got injured, and so, you know, we would be up there filming practice, filming games and stuff, and it was a fair amount of work. You know, you'd have an away game. You would uh, have to come back afterwards, cut up the tape, and you'd have to basically exchange film with the team you were playing the next week. Uh, so, you know, on those days when we would have an away game, it was, a, it was a pretty late night, and you'd have to sometimes, if you pulled the duty to exchange the film, uh, you'd have to, to meet the guy halfway, wherever it was, you know, if it was A&M or whatever. Uh, but, you know, I got to spend a lot of quality time with Brendan Fitzgerald. He's a good guy. You know. Were you there when Scott Wagner was there? No, I think he's maybe a little before me. A little before, okay. Yeah. 
But it was, uh, listen, you know, I always say if I'd gone to UT, there was, you know, my dad always says man can resist everything but temptation. And yeah. There wasn't a lot of temptation at Rice, you know. There's, there's plenty of academics. Not for a boy named Leslie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I, wouldn't, I don't know. Maybe at Rice there is. Yeah, it wouldn't. Perhaps. Wouldn't but Rice, Rice is probably the best college in the state. Yeah. I would I would say it is. Yeah, we we talked a little bit. I've got nothing but great things to say. I wouldn't change anything about going down there. I, I don't know that it was the you know, the full college experience that maybe you guys uh experienced at, at, at Texas yeah. Tech, but um but I loved it. It was great. I got some great friends that came out of there. So So were, were there I mean, here's a stupid question. Are there fraternities, sororities down there? They're not. They they have a college system. I think they have like eight or ten colleges. They've got Huff and Puff Are and there? Gryffindor. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dungeons yeah, and Dragons. Right. We play Quidditch. Yeah. yeah. But are there like social clubs? I mean, how there does are. one it, kind of very yeah, it's a pretty social place. And I you know, I think it does attract kind of a, you know, a very academic element. And I think a lot of those kids go down there and they haven't been exposed to a lot of social activities and their wheels fly off, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but they, uh, yeah, they, they do have a good time though. I will yeah. Say that. It's a really beautiful campus. Yeah. I mean, to say anything about they it. Have a, they have a, um, a tradition called the Baker 13 Baker college named after James Baker's, uh, I think grandfather, maybe her father. Um, where they on the 13th and 26th, and if there's a 31st day in the month, they will all gather at Baker and they will go streaking around <laughs> the campus. And they basically strip down and they put shaving cream all over their body. And one year, you know, I mean, you know, nerds have a sense of humor. Uh, <laughs> and so I know <laughs> one year they're, uh, you know, they're doing the Baker 13 and they're going by the library there in the quad and a guy uh, named John. And the reason I know his name will become apparent in a second, but John, you know, he took a bunch of shaving cream and he smeared it on his rear end, you know, and he went up and he kind of did a, a half turn and kind of tried to leave a butt print on the, you know, on a big window there in the library and he spider webbed that window. Oh. And so they charged him for it, you know, and it was like 5,000 bucks. So they all got together and made t-shirts and said, save John's ass. <laughs> 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 Help him pay for it, you know? So they, they got a sense of humor. Pretty creative guys. Oh, that's hilarious. That's good. So you're our first guest on the podcast as a civilian that's ever landed on an aircraft carrier. How the heck did you get into a plane that landed on an aircraft carrier. Yeah, so that, that's an interesting question. Uh, my dad uh, was a guy that grew up on a dairy farm in Arkansas. Great guy. Uh, and, you know, he was uh, kind of grew up around the Vietnam era. And instead of, you know, he figured he was going to get drafted. He got out of high school and thought that he, he would have more control over where he'd end up if he just went ahead and enlisted. So he did that. And he became a helicopter pilot. And he got sent to Vietnam. Uh, and he got back right before Tet started. Um, but anyways, he, 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 shortly after that, you know, he, he went to college uh, on, the, uh, on the GI Bill, got his degree. And he's always remained very involved with the military, raising funds for the troops. And to this day, he's still very involved with a group out of Fort Worth called the Fort Worth Air Power Foundation. It's been around for, for quite a long time. 
Um, so, you know, being involved in that group is a, is, is a, is a function of his involvement. You know, they will take civilians around to different kind of military installations uh, just to raise awareness in the civilian population about what's going on in the military. One of those things with the Navy uh, is they will, they will occasionally, they'll offer the opportunity to take people out to the aircraft carrier. And before those carriers deploy they will go do workups. And so that might be four or five weeks where they start out with very simple maneuvers. And then at the end of that four or five weeks, they get into more complicated things that they may face on that, on that deployment. Uh, so during that time, they will take uh, what they call DV embarks, distinguished visitor embarks. And so when you do that, and you we, wormed your way into distinguished, I wormed my way into it. Yeah. Nice. Uh, my, my, my nice brother's, excuse. Had the, had the privilege of going, but I, I tell you, uh, you know, to describe it is, you know, you've got 5,000 people on this boat. The average age is 20 years old. So you've got a bunch of young people out there. It's just, it's truly fascinating. Um, and they take you up on the deck and you're sitting there right by, you know, one of four lines where these guys are landing and these, these planes are landing probably, you know, 15 yards away from you. It's, it's, I, I would say it's the most fun I've ever had with my clothes on. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, uh, it, it really is remarkable. Well, it's, well, it seems like it'd be so scary as you're, I don't know how fast you're flying, but you're coming in and, and from a distance, it's got to look like a cigar floating in the ocean. Yep. And then to, as you get closer, it's still tiny. Yep. I mean, you look at the length of runways. And did you take off from one or just land on one? We landed and, and also took off. And so we spent the night. Uh, and, and the other thing, it's, it's loud on that thing. You know, we, we had pretty nice accommodations as far as the carrier is concerned. And, uh, you know, they're landing all night long. Uh, and you can hear it. When they land, it, it, it reverberates throughout the ship. What was more exhilarating, taking off or landing? Well, probably taking off because when, when you, when you, the, the aircraft that you're on is called a COD. It's a carrier onboard delivery. Uh, and there's one window back in the back that you can see out. So you can't see anything. You're seated backwards. You have, uh, these helmets on called cranials. You've got goggles on. Uh, so you can't really tell what's going on. And right before you land, they will kind of flip the lights and let you know that, hey, you're getting ready to land. Uh, they do the same thing on the uh, on the catapult shot, uh, but it, it's 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 a little uncomfortable, especially if you don't like flying. It, it definitely is a little uncomfortable, even for someone that's comfortable flying. But it, so, but the taking off on the catapult, it, it's it's a slingshot. Yeah, it is. It is. I can't believe you know you go from zero to I don't know how fast in a very short amount of time, and then you're airborne. Yep, that's. And that's the one thing on there that they will not show you is the catapult technology. Uh, you can't see kind of the catapult, how it works. It's still very proprietary, which I think yeah. now that the most recent ones work on more of a magnet as opposed to a steam operated catapult. Uh, so the latest carriers would, would operate with that, you know, magnetic catapult as opposed to the steam catapult. Interesting. I'd love to do that sometime. Yeah, It'd be so it's, much fun. It's, it is a an ex, quite an experience. So uh, the other thing we're talking about right before we started recording, and, and I, I find this fascinating, is uh, tell us a little bit about how you've met Lorne Michaels, the producer of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> okay, so, well, uh, this is really my wife, and I wouldn't say that I know Lorne really at all. Um, so, so... 
my wife graduated from UT. Uh, she worked in Austin for a year and then went up to New York, was a journalism major and, and really wanted to, uh, I think be a writer. I think her original intent was to be in news. Um, and so as she went up there, there was a, an, another lady, there are actually two ladies before her that worked at SNL from Austin that, that she knew. And she got the opportunity to go be an assistant in Broadway video, which is kind of his production arm, I guess. And through a series of events, she kind of got the opportunity, got moved over to his office in the, in the SNL studios at, at 30 Rockefeller. Um, and, and worked there for, you know, five years. Uh, the way that we met was, uh, and she'll, she'll take issue with some of this story. Uh, but we did an, a semester abroad in Spain, our junior year on different programs and knew one another kind of through mutual friends, et cetera. Uh, and so when I met her over there, I totally, you know, had a bid for, her and she would just rebuffed it. Smart girl. You yeah. Know? And as a guy, you guys can relate to this when you kind of get, you kind of strike out, you kind of move on to the next one, you know, uh, <laughs> as my dad said, he's like, son, you got to remember about those women. They're kind of like a bus. There's one coming along every five minutes. <laughs> so I moved on, man. I was waiting for the next bus. And, uh, so anyways, uh, she kind of said, no, we remained friends. And then you know, I graduated from Rice, went to Miami with, with, with Goldman, was there for two years, then moved to New York. And again, we'd remain friends. And, um, you know, the thing about New York and, and the Texas people all tend to find one yeah. another. This was yeah. kind of 98 to 2000 uh, was was the time frame. And so eventually we had a little bit of a rocky courtship. But she was working at SNL. I was working at Goldman Sachs, and I was, you know, working pretty long hours. I was, you know, there early in the morning and, and typically up there pretty late. Well, her schedule was was kind of the opposite. Uh, she'd get in around probably 10 or 11 and was up there anywhere, depending on the night, if it was a show week, you know, from 4 to 5, 6 in the morning. Um, so we didn't see each other a lot. But the one opportunity where we did have the uh, – the chance to hang out was on, on a show night. And so I would go up there and, um, and kind of hang out with her. And Lauren was kind of preoccupied at that point with the show. And she was in So the were back. you backstage? Yeah, I was, was backstage. It? And who was on the show at that time? Yeah, I mean, this... Will Ferrell. I mean, it was... Oh, so it was... It was a golden it was good. SNL. Yeah, it was really good. And if you look at that show, it kind of goes through waves yeah. Of, yeah. of being really good. But it was Will Ferrell, Jimmy Fallon. Um, you know, I'm trying to think... Uh, Tina Fey. Do you have Will uh, Ferrell's uh, cell phone number? Can I we don't. Call him? I don't. But she was pretty <laughs> close with Will, and you know, uh, she would tell you that of all the people on that cast at that time, he was the most normal one there. Just a very normal guy. David Spade. David Spade was there. Yeah, she's got some funny stories. She's the one y'all need to have on here. She's got great stories. You just need to prompt her a little bit about some of them. Uh, but Lauren was, you know, he, he, he he's peculiar but but as i told brett you know he, he is they've got a neat special relationship friendship to this day um uh, that that i really value uh for her is is one of the few guys you know if she really got into a bind uh and i wasn't around you know he's one of the few that that i think she could call and, and depend on for sure that's so. great 
Yeah, you were saying they went out to dinner three nights in a row when he was in town yeah, recently. Yeah, That's, yeah, they do. They they stay in touch, so it's a it's a neat neat friendship. So, and um, he doesn't seem like from from what I've read, not from what I've never met the guy, of course, but doesn't seem like an easy guy to get along with. No, you know, I think he's, you know, socially he he's probably more of an introvert than he is an extrovert, um, and and I think he's just comfortable around certain people that he's comfortable around, and I wasn't one of those guys, you know, <laughs> you know, but but uh, but we had you know we had a nice you know relationship, but but you know we weren't bosom buddies by any stretch. How chaotic is it behind the curtain? You know, on that show, people just running around and changing sets and changing into, into different costumes. And is it pretty interesting to be in that environment yes. behind the scenes? You know, the thing is, they have their live uh, kind of dress rehearsal. Yeah. I think it starts at like maybe eight uh, and it goes till 930. So it's an hour and a half at that point. I could be wrong about that. But basically, they use that as an opportunity to cut what doesn't work with the audience. So they'll have more sketches in that live rehearsal. They have a live audience. They will then cut what didn't work, and then do they to the test live the show. audience like by a show of hands? Did you like this? Did you not like this? No, no. It's just more based on their reaction. Uh, and then they'll go back. They probably got an hour to kind of cut it down. Okay. So uh, does Lauren make that decision unilaterally? I think he is. He has. Yeah, he's yeah. the dictator there in that. But um, it, 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 you know, we talked about landing on an aircraft carrier. You know, it's a controlled crash. You know, yeah. landing. It's kind of. It reminds me of that. It yeah. looks like if you're observing it, it is a controlled crash. But it is. It is so well organized, uh, and the crew and everything. It's just. Uh, you know, it's pretty remarkable to watch. Well, sp- here's kind of a, an offshoot question. So, my favorite all-time SNL guest is if he hasn't. I don't know if it was this last week or if it's upcoming, but maybe this weekend. Alec Baldwin is going yeah. to set the record for the most guest appearances on the show. I think it's 17. So my question is to you guys: Who is your favorite SNL host? SNL host. I don't agree with uh, Alec Baldwin's, uh, well, the voice messages he leaves for his family or his politics. Um, so I, I <laughs> We had to go say, there. Yeah, we had to go I, there, didn't we? I'm just We're made, already I'm there. I just made a comment. Um, that, that's, uh, you know, he, the other one that I think has the record with is him is Steve other, Martin. That's my second favorite. Steve Martin is great. Um, let, me, let me throw another one out. Justin Timberlake. Yeah, yeah. He, not like I mean I don't dislike him, but he's not like my favorite performer. But he is so good on that show. You know the thing about Justin Timberlake is I want to hate the guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean he was in a boy band for goodness sake. <laughs> you can't hate him. But he's he's funny. He's a he's good talented. golfer. He's married to Jessica Biel. It's like yeah, it, it's 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 it hate all. based on envy now. I mean the 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 Andy Samberg song "Dick in a Box." Yeah, I mean that was so good. Yeah, all of the little things. The, the you know. <clears throat> I don't remember him ever hosting, and I'm sure he did, but he does those little skits every now and then, like that one. Yeah. And, the yeah. video and montages? Yeah, they're hilarious. Yeah. I'm going to watch this week, and I, I haven't... Maybe you know, we should have him on next. We should. Justin. We should. But Not we, Justin. Yeah. Well, Justin Timberlake. I was thinking Justin Bieber. Justin Timberlake, yeah. And speaking of Justin Bieber, did you see where he got uh, checked into the glass during the NHL All-Star game? I read about it. Yeah, I, I think it was Chris it. Pronger. Really? Yeah, it was. It was. It was 
Like I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. And Pronger has this look on his face, like this is so awesome. And I, re- <laughs> I really wish I could drive this guy into the glass, I'm like I'd want to. This moment, yeah. That would be so much fun to do. I'd pay money to do that. <laughs> yeah. What a tool! All right, so I'm going to switch gears on you. You, you uh, did a semester at, at abroad. You, you've traveled a lot, lived in different places. What's the coolest place you've ever visited? Mm. Wow. You know, I'll flip it while you're thinking about that to think about where have you never visited in the world that you'd like to visit? Well, golly. See, now we're making you think. That yeah. rice that rice education yeah. apparently didn't pay off too much. Yeah, you know, I I would have to say the place I've never been that I'd like to go see is probably China. You know, yeah. just given everything that's going on there. Um, you mean China? China, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. So uh, I was talking to my youngest daughter. She was helping me get everything set up earlier. And that's one of the places she said. We, she. It, this was her question. That's one of the places she said she wants to go to China. Yeah, you, you, you know, you talk to people that have been over there, and it's just kind of overwhelming. I, I think it's hard to probably get your head around it. Um, the other place that I think would be interesting is India. Uh, I haven't been there, but I, I read a uh, great book called yeah. Chantaram. I don't know if you read that one. No, I've not. Uh, great book, autobiography about a guy that was a uh, uh, from Australia. He got thrown in jail for armed robbery. He was a, a heroin addict. And the, the guy writes so beautifully. It's incredible. This guy was a convict. But it, basically, he broke out of prison, and he ended up in India Um and it, it, anyways, it, I think that would be a pretty fascinating place to go. However, I would tell you that I've talked to people that have been there and they can't wait to get out of there. Yeah, I have to. I'm <laughs> I think it depends on where you go. Yeah, yeah. And how you go. Probably, yeah. yeah. I, I, I am going there this year. Um, I, I work with a lot of folks from India um, and we have actually an office there. So um, I have to go sometime this year and I'm I'm looking forward to it, but I, I'm like you, I've, I've heard the same. It's, it's, it's kind of a hit or a miss for people. Yeah. Well, they, I think they either like it or they back, don't like Brett it. Brett and I will bring you back on the show here and we'll interview yeah. you <laughs> well, <laughs> Secretly, secretly inside, I'm hoping I get the, the Indian bug. And, yeah. and as a result, shed about 10 pounds in about 10 days. Yeah. There, there was a guy that I worked with in Miami that was a former professional tennis player, and he played these satellite deals, you know, to try to get enough points to kind of, you know, progress. And so one of the, the, the Challenger series was over in India, and he, he heard about how inhospitable and tough the conditions were, and he thought, you know, I'll go over there. No one's willing to go over there. Well, he wasn't the only one that had that idea, I guess, but... He said that he got up one day, and again, this was probably 20, 25 years ago. Um, he would get up in the morning to go for a run, and the guy at the hotel would be like, don't go out yet. You know, they haven't cleared off all the the dead bodies from last night because so many people are homeless. Mm-hmm. Oh, my uh, goodness. And he was probably in Mumbai or one of those places. The other thing he said that was interesting is on those courts – that they would use human excrement to kind of smooth them out. So if you fell and got a cut, you had to go you immediately in, yeah, to the doctor. You were in real trouble. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, pretty extreme conditions. Wow. Um, I know a guy in the neighborhood that was over there, and uh, 
I think he lived on power bars and yeah. cliff bars the whole time. <clears throat> well, although, although, and I work with a, a guy from India in uh, what I'd love to do one time, if you were really taken in and were kind of part of the family is, is participate in their whole wedding ceremony yes, thing. Yes. That's like a week long event. Well, and it's, it's supposed to be just, you know, outrageously beautiful what yeah. they do. But yeah. not, not only are the weddings beautiful, but they have, they have so many festivals throughout the year. There's like this festival in the spring called, I think it's the Festival of Colors. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever seen I've that. Seen pictures but it's, of it. I mean, they, it's just, they, they basically paint their, their whole body in bright colors and deck everything in bright colors and, and it looks surreal. Yeah. Um, so they have a lot of unique. Kind of awesome. reminds me of those color runs. Have you seen those? The what? Color runs. Huh. They've got these five Ks that are called color runs, and they get this colored oh, chalk. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah, throw yeah, yeah. They used it. to advertise those on on television. We used to always see people like we'd go to breakfast on a Saturday or something, yeah. and see people that had got back from the color run. They're just covered from head to toe with huh. it seems like a chalk type of color that they get on them. And my do- uh, oldest daughter runs a lot, and she was like, I want to do one of those. Yeah. Like, it looks like fun. I wish yeah. I could run. <laughs> my knees can't take it anymore. <laughs> so, China, what about you? Place where, that where, 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 where would you, if you could pick any place, where would you go? That's a, well, I mean, uh, that's a great question. I've never been to New Zealand, and I've always wanted to go to New Zealand. That'd probably be number one. My, my most favorite spot in, in the entire world is the Amalfi. Yeah, the coast in Italy. It's yeah. just, it's just so beautiful, and I'd go back there in a heartbeat. Yeah, I've heard that too. What, what about for you? Bro? Yeah, uh, what's the best place you've ever been? Um, I think the best place I've ever been uh, is probably Botswana. Oh wow! On safari in Botswana, uh, in Cape Town, South Africa, it's beautiful. So when my daughter asked me this question as we were practicing, I, I. I'd love to go to Vietnam just because it's so beautiful there. I've seen pictures of it. But other than that, I don't really have a desire to go to Asia. I could spend two straight months in Europe just with all the history there yeah. and go to some of those yeah. old cities like Budapest. And, uh, uh, and I could stay in Italy or Paris for weeks yeah. and just absolutely love that whole time. But, uh, you know, from a, from a beach perspective, I'd love to go to Mauritius or Seychelles, one of those yeah, way out in the sure. middle of nowhere type of places. But yeah. The I, Seychelles is in smack dab in the, like between India and Africa, right? In the. Yeah, and I think Mauritius is in that same okay. vicinity too. And Seychelles is the place where I think that their whole landform is being threatened by just water. It's going to be underwater at some point, they think. I don't know if that's in our lifetime, but I, if it's the same place I'm thinking of. I've always you, wanted. You might be right. Yeah, know. yeah. That's an interesting fact. Isn't that's it? A, yeah, thank you. Isn't it? Do thank you, like you that? Cliff Clavin. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Encyclopedia yeah. Brown over yeah, here, I mean, Leslie. That's, that's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty. <laughs> I'm shocked. I might have to look into that. Make sure. <laughs> we have a fact checker around here. Well, we yeah. definitely know that if I were to step foot on that island, that it definitely would be underwater. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> maybe that's one reason why I haven't gone. <laughs> All right, so are we ready to go into the little political talk? Yeah, but let, or, or let's, I want to hear Leslie skirt around Goldman a little bit. <laughs> let's, not, let's not rush that under the rug. I mean, come on. I mean, go, I mean that's, you know, look, I, I know that, you know, financial talk, you know, we don't want to uh, focus on that exclusively. But, I mean, the, the, from our perspective, I mean, that's a, a prestigious firm. I mean, it's, it's, 
it's one of the names, if not the name, on Wall Street. I mean, it's a it's a tough place to work, right? Um, but I'm sure challenging and and a good place to work. So, I mean, what? How long have you been with Goldman? And and what are you doing for them here in Dallas? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I've been there 20 years. I started in June of '96. So that's the only place I've ever worked professionally. Um, and when I started, it was a private partnership. Um, there were 9,000 people there. I, I didn't know a ton about it. I was kind of, you know, wet behind the ears out of rice and kind of, you know, I, I, I would tell you. From I don't my think pers- they recruited a lot from Texas Tech. <laughs> well, they didn't recruit from rice either. I, you know, I had a, a, a friend of my mom's that knew a guy here locally uh, in Dallas named Russell Bellamy. He's just a tremendous guy. I had drinks with Russell the other day. He was, he was kind of the guy that got me my kind of swing at the plate, if you will. And, um, so, so I kind of, you know, I went up to New York, interviewed, uh, it was my last interview and and they said, look, we'll call you back if we've got a spot. We've kind of already hired up. I was late in the process because I thought I was going to do this graduate program at Rice that they subsequently canceled. And, um, you know, um, so I started in Miami. I was there for two years, uh, in the investment management division, which is where I am today. And then I went to New York and I worked in a group called the Equity Capital Markets Group, which is a group that kind of runs any sort of equity or equity-linked financing, uh, IPOs, secondaries, things like that. And um, I'll tell you this, you, you know, the, the firm went went public in May of 99, uh, which was when I was up there, I actually, you know, worked on the initial public offering of, of the firm, which was, you know, really interesting uh, at the time. But, you know, a big debate at that time was, was it going to change the culture of the firm? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was really a a lot of heated debate on either side on whether or not it was the right thing to do, kind of have a permanent capital base, et cetera. Uh, I think ultimately it was, they didn't have much of a choice and it was the the right decision. But, um, you know, I I, I will tell you that I I, I really enjoy working there. It is a demanding place. Uh, They challenge you constantly. The people, I always say that they, in an interview, they look for type A insecure people that are always looking for a, you know, a pat on the back. If you're, if you're a beagle, you know, you want your ears rubbed, you know, that's kind of how, what they look for in people. And they really push you, um, and, and it's a great place to work. Now, today they've, you know, they probably got 32, 33,000 people, I think, scattered mm-hmm. around the globe. Um, but I have nothing but great things to say about it. And so, just just for our listening audience, so you're 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 here in the Dallas office, and and you essentially manage the money of of high net worth individuals here in Dallas, Fort Worth, but then in in other parts of the country. I mean, you kind of go out hunting your own clients, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, that, that's right. Uh, so I I came back here after working in New York, and I kind of you know got the opportunity in that job to look around and try to figure out you know what could I potentially be good at at this place? And, and I really didn't, honestly, I didn't think I was going to be really good at anything, but I thought if I had a shot, it might be this. Uh, and it gave me the opportunity to get back to, to Dallas kind of, which I wanted to do. Um, you know, I, I, I was pretty well on my way to knowing that I wanted to, to, you know, to propose to Lauren at that point. And so it afforded me that opportunity. I think in other positions at Goldman, you know, you open yourself up to getting moved around quite a bit. Uh, and they may tap you on the shoulder one day and say, hey, we need you to move to 
you know, to Asia. Yeah. Um, and I really wanted to kind of take that off the table too. Um, so, you know, today I, I work with uh, my business partners, a guy named Hunter Henry, uh, a guy named Chad Whitney, and a, and a young lady named Marika Mattioli, uh, April Liz Lake, and uh, Lauren Toledo. And we've got a, a, a financial analyst, yeah. which is where I started, a guy named Michael Bertrand. And oddly enough, I'm sure some of your listeners will know that name, but he, his dad delivered all four of our kids, and he works on our team. Great guy. Uh, and so that team is basically a family office that families share and um, our our client base is, is somewhat scattered, you know. I think, you know, as, as you get a more mature business, you get referrals to different situations, et cetera, if you do a good job for, for a family. Um, but it's about, you know, I'd say today it's probably 50 families that yeah. we work with. So you and Michael's dad have a kindred spirit. You guys have yeah. kind of shared something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's so, right. We talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so for, for anybody who's listening um, who uh, likes you and, and likes to, to, you know, the fact that you work for a gold, Goldman and you're here in Dallas, why, why, don't, you, why don't you share the news? What is your, what is your investment threshold? What, what's, what's the uh, dollar value of assets you have to bring to the table you know, I, in order to, to do business a, with, with you? That's a tricky question, Rob. I, I, okay. You know, I, I, I think that. That's a tricky question. Uh, I would say that... We can skip it. <laughs> you don't have to yeah, answer that. We don't, that. We don't no, have to answer no, it. I would say like that their platform is set up. I mean, it's a high net worth platform. So, you know, how do you define that? It's probably, you know, I would say today it's anywhere from 10 to 25 investable to really make use of, of what they... 10 to 25 million. Okay. I just want to make sure uh, that... Investable. I was going to say, I got I, 20 I, bucks I, in my pocket. I, That's I was my net worth. Hey, listen, and I'm not a client, but one day, you know, I aspire to be, but I've got a long way to go. I'm just, you know, guy in the middle of the boat rowing yeah <laughs> right uh, you know. sure yeah leslie but no, that's not that, what d magazine says. yeah <laughs> by the way how much did you have to pay d magazine for well, that spot you know, that that is an interesting story too i just sent in a headshot and they put me on that list oh really yeah, so nice. they did their research yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there goes the integrity of d magazine <laughs> The best restaurants? Oh yeah. yeah, that guy just sent in a picture of their burger. Yeah, yeah, he's number one. <laughs> so, so let's okay. So let's just just so that everybody knows. So you you are married to Lauren, and how many children do you have? We've got four. Okay, four, three the, girls and a boy. Got the boy ranging in ages. Uh, they're eleven down to five. Eleven, okay. ten, uh, eight, and five. Wow. Yeah, I got a birthday coming up here. So yeah, it, it's kind of. You know, it's crazy. Our, our oldest one's getting ready to turn 12, and we've got a, uh, you know, a client in East Texas, and he says, you know, life is like a roll of toilet paper. That second half goes a lot faster than the first half. <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like I'm yeah. kind of at that stage. True. Talk about landing on an aircraft carrier, raising four kids yeah. in that age range. It's yeah. Well, controlled guys, chaos. You guys are in the same, same boat. Yeah. Not four, but anyway. Yeah. Well, it's, you know. Just play zone coverage, you know, with them. <laughs> uh, well, we we know that you've at least done it one more time than Brett and I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. At least I think I have. It may, yeah. may not be me in there on that last one, you know. Yeah. Does he look like me? Yeah. <laughs> this is this is a true story. So I, uh, this summer I was at the office and I had a picture of my oldest son. Um, from camp up on my computer screen, Tracy had sent me some pictures of the kids from camp and, um, 
for those folks who know me, they know that my son is really kind of the exact opposite of me in, in terms of his physical shape. He's tall, he's slender, and he actually has muscle definition. And, and, I, and I kid you not, I had about three people walk in and they said, you know, who's that? And my, my son was like, you know, in his swim trunks. And I was kind of worried at first, like, oh, my God, they're going to think that I'm looking at, you know, children in this manner. And, and I go, well, that's my son. And they go, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and he's athletic, too. Yeah. He's athletic, and so um, you know, I, I've been, I've been thinking. Yeah, you know, thing I need, is, I think that my wife needs to come clean and let me know. I can totally believe that. You know story. what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. I totally, totally. I embrace that. that. I embrace that. And, and and your your youngest son Charlie's really cute. So I mean, there's, <laughs> yeah. There's. I might not have I mean, born any children. What, your in this youngest world. son. I mean, if that guy isn't in trouble or, or like about to to, to Cause some trouble. Oh my I love God. that kid. There, you know, and you're in, very nice. He's in my I, I keep, third daughter's class, and I, I just love that kid. I keep saying that I can't wait until he's in college because I want to go hang out at their frat house. Yeah. I just want to follow in his yeah. wake. Yeah. And, and not that anybody wants to hear about my children, but, you know, the one th- good thing about Charlie <laughs> is that, I mean, he literally never has a bad day. I mean, that kid I, is. I can believe that. He's always never, smile never stops smiling. He's looking for something. Dancing. Yeah. He's, he's, He's a he's got a good life. Yeah, for I sure. Saw him, I saw him recently at the basketball game where I saw you, and I said, "Hey, Charlie, uh, I just ran into the principal outside here. She wanted to have a couple of words with you." And he looked at me, you know, eyes real big, like nobody saw me do it. You can't prove a thing. Third <laughs> yeah. child, Stafford's going to be that same way for you. Yeah. I mean, he's got three older sisters and. That kid, he's going to know more than he should. Yeah, he, he might. He might. And that's be, not necessarily a bad thing. I always told him, I said, you'd be able to make a living just fishing off the company pier. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I always tell my Charlie. It's like, dude, you got to be nice to your little sister oh, because gosh. that's going to be yes. some prime fishing yeah, ground for that's you. Right, yes. man. You're, you don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. They're all going to be coming here. <laughs> So, Paul, you wanted to take this to the political arena? I was just throwing out a question. No, why don't you just throw it out? Okay, so immigration. Wow. Let's go there. Okay. So, President Trump just signed his executive order. Oh, by the way, I'm not a big fan of these executive orders. I wasn't a fan of them before, and I'm still not. But he did sign it about banning, and everybody's protesting like crazy. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the fact that Obama did something very similar before. Nobody protested about that, but it's, uh, I'm just curious as your opinions on it before I give you my, before I give you the right answer, I'm curious whether or not you <laughs> share the same opinion. Well, Colin's our guest. I think people are more interested in what he has to. Th- no, they're, they're not. They're not. Uh, <laughs> I would say, I would say one observation just, and I haven't been watching the news that closely over the weekend. Um, cause we were out of town, but, the, the one thing that's really interesting to me is, you know, what, what little snippets I did get, I'm like, wow, you know, the American people must be up in arms over this based on the headlines. And, you know, and I, I think clearly, I, I think it was, it was executed very poorly, uh, communicated poorly. It could have done a lot better with that. But just listening to the headlines, I would think like people are in an uproar. And, and, and there is some evidence, sure. I guess, for that. But then I looked at this Quinnipiac poll and, and they did a poll of kind of the American people and 48% of the people are for it, mm-hmm. 42% against it. So, you know, it seems like again that the, the media is not in, in sync with 
you know, the general population. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I was commenting earlier before we started recording that uh, I have never been more kind of fascinated by all that's going on. I mean, I, 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 I now come home from work and I want to watch the news and, and I, I watch all three major news networks because I think that's kind of a, an experiment unto itself. Um, and, and not that I'm an expert on, on the uh, executive order as now everybody calls them the an, an EO. Yes, it's an EO. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think that the way that it was executed was pretty sloppy. To, to be quite honest, and I don't think that he necessarily needed to to let everybody know what he was going to do, you know, two, three, four weeks ahead of time, because I think that would have been not smart. But I think that it was very sloppy in terms of its handling and, and announcement to the public. What I don't get is is you know, it's not it's not a ban on Muslims. Absolutely, for one, not. it's not a ban on Muslims, and 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 number two is it's it's a temporary. Pause until we get the vetting down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I think that unfortunately we live in a day. You know, it's it's on both sides where, uh, depending on who's in in the Oval Office, um, the opposition side is so loud. Um, they get the machine running in terms of the messaging and and whatnot, and it's just it's it's paralyzing. Um, Have you watched some of these Sean Spicer? I have, and that that's interesting too. It is the best TV to watch. Yeah, because I mean, they're giving it to him, and he's giving it right back. Yeah, yeah. and I kind of like that a little bit. I think Americans like that. I mean, it, it, it's kind of made me think that our entire life <clears throat> we've we've watched presidents kind of toe the line um, in terms of how they they interact with the press, how their staff interacts with the press, and this is the first president where. It seems like they've got full authority to kind of not kind of push. I mean, just right, absolutely right. push back. And I kind of like that that a little bit. But I think that there's also a line of decorum that you know should be followed. I think there's a certain level of expectation as far as how you treat others and how you interact with others. And I think that you know the truth is certainly important. And and you know they have their version of the truth, and the media has theirs, and you know maybe the tr- the real truth lies somewhere in between. But it's it's fascinating. It it really is. <laughs> I, I think uh, just a couple observations. Is one, I think it doesn't matter what Trump does. There's going to be a whole lot of people that don't like it, yep. and a whole lot of people that do like it, and it doesn't matter what it is, which isn't the way it should be. Uh, two, I think that there are. The, the the press is the majority of the press, I should say. I'm not going to indict everybody. Has been extremely irresponsible with so much of it because they start predicting what he's going to do before he does it, and the and just the headlines. So even if they have a, the story right, the headlines will yeah. be biased, completely biased. Well, look at the Washington Post. Look at the New York Times, and and then then go to Fox and yeah. and other news outlets online and. And, and and that's I do that. I like to compare and contrast. I mean, you watch MSNBC on television for a fifteen minute segment, and you think this world's coming to an end. And then you flip over to Fox, and it's just uh, an outright kind of defense of what's going on. And and it's it's although it's not Charles Krauthammer today got yeah, on Charles, and just completely yeah, you're right. lambasted Trump because I mean, like he said, it was sloppy. Yeah, no, I know I agree. 
Um, but you know, let's, let's, I don't want to get bogged down in immigration because I think the, the, the most recent or one of the most recent executive orders that I liked was the, I, I think they're calling it the net zero regulation where if I, I hope I get this right. So if, uh, uh, a, a new regulation is introduced, um, you have to cancel out one. They have to cancel out one, not only, not only on a one for one, just in terms of the reg, but the cost so if you you know if you introduce a new regulation that has a price tag of a hundred dollars, well you've got to take one away that has at least a hundred dollars right assigned to it. So I think that's that seems pretty sensible to me. Yeah, I, I would just say in, in in our business the the regulation, which you know I think listen after coming out of the financial crisis was was definitely needed, uh, but but inevitably, you know, you overreact to, to, to one extreme, and I think that's happened. I can speak for our business. It's become stifling, Yeah, uh, the amount of regulation that, that that's required. So I, I would think that's a good thing. I think it's very stimulative. Yeah. Uh, and, and I also think there's a lot of low-hanging fruit for him from an economic perspective mm-hmm. and some of the ideas. Well, the taxes uh, especially. Forth. Yeah. I've heard some. Repatriating dollars. Yeah. That's just a no-brainer. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Ten percent tax, repatriate all your dollars. That's ten percent of a couple trillion dollars that we get that we would have never gotten. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying hard to find the fault in that. Like, why have we not been able to kind of figure that out up until now? It looks like (laughs) we will figure it out. Well, one not to jump around, but well, one- I'm sorry. One before you do that, the other thing that I wanted to say about what what's going on right now that just appalls me is I I don't think Barack Obama should have an opinion on anything. Yeah, yeah, I, and I when agree. When he comes out I and agree. starts saying stuff, it's George W. Bush, I thought, handled it very classy. Absolutely. And it's, he had his time to have his opinion. Right now, all he's going to do is be divisive in the country. And after... And I was very proud of our country for an elected, an African-American man to be president. I was very proud of our country. I didn't agree with a lot of his policies, but I'm still proud that we yeah. we had a horrible black eye from our history of slavery. So I was very happy that we at least got over that and had our first African-American president. But the divisiveness in the country during his eight years, mm-hmm. it, it, and I, I don't know the statistics of it or whatever, but at least from the headlines you see, it seems like it's greater than it's ever been before. Yeah. We don't need more now on a, a party scale. He, I think he needs to take a little bit of a lead from George W. Bush and just say, it's not my issue anymore. You guys don't need to hear my opinion. Just well, I mean, carry on. Can you imagine what, what the outrage would have been had George W. Bush stepped in with his opinion in, in the first two weeks of, of yeah. Obama's presidency? I mean, it, you know, it... it it's crazy, but the one thing I wanted to say that I thought was 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 just ridiculous was Chuck Schumer's press conference this weekend. Where he cried? Where he cried. <laughs> and then I like I did like I did like Trump's response. I mean I mean that's just I mean that's so politically staged. And I look I, I, I respect someone's passion for an issue and, and you know, but I don't I don't think it was a situation where one necessarily needed Required to cry. To by the way, I love what Sean Spicer said too. It's like of of the hundreds of thousands of people that came in, there were a few that were detained. And you know, you look at the percentage it was small. And he said, most of them have been detained for you know forty eight hours at the max. It's like that's it's not that big of a price to pay to secure the United States, is it? I kind of agree with him. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I, he's definitely taking a, a businessman's approach to running this this yeah, administration. I, I think that it's it's kind of he's asking for a timeout. Like he doesn't agree with our process in terms of vetting refugees. Yeah, no. And he, he wants to kind of revisit that. And in the meantime, he's kind of implemented this executive order to try to re-underwrite that process. I mean, how old is he? He's 78? Who, Trump? Trump, Trump right? No, he's 73. Oh, 73. I think. Is he 73? 73. I mean, oldest he, elected president, He's right? the oldest elected president, but you know, he, he's, he's up in age. You know, he's been given this mandate. Um, and I just feel like he he's going to take the approach of I'm just going to well like him or hate him yeah you have to say he is he, he is making things happen no he there's is, well, you know he sleeps like three hours a night and I think the yeah. people up there from from what I've heard from from my sources <laughs> your sources <laughs> is they don't know how to deal with it it's like you only sleep three hours a night and he's got everybody running around like crazy yeah doing five hundred things like uh we don't know what to focus on. You know, Brett Stevens uh, of the Wall Street Journal wrote an interesting op-ed today, and it, it was, you know, pretty critical of, of Trump. And I think he's, you know, more of a conservative-leaning guy. Uh, but, it, you know, his, his message was the right kind of crazy. Like, if you're very predictable, like a, you know, a poker player that's mechanical, you can always predict if he's betting that he's got a hand, you know, and you can't allow your opposition to kind of know what you're doing. So the right amount of crazy is a good thing. Uh, and he was making the point like too much crazy is a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, I think if he had communicated this a lot more succinctly, uh, in a different way versus, you know, 5.30 on a Friday evening, uh, you know, that's usually when you're trying to air dirty laundry to get things, you know, swept under the rug and come out in very, in a very forthright way said, Hey, this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. I think it would have had a very different reception, you know. Maybe, 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 you know, maybe. I agree. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I mean, it's just, and, and love him or hate him. Um, you know, I, I, I'm going to guess Brett, you didn't vote for Obama. I didn't vote for Obama, but you know what? He was, he was my president. Absolutely. You know? and, and, and I don't like hearing people saying he's not my president. That's you know, he is ridiculous. your president. It's you know? so ridiculous. So. But I think, I think, you know, just real quick, I think that his, his approach, his strategy is going to be to drown Congress with so many of his initiatives at the same time. So, I mean, tonight before I came over here, he announces a Supreme Court pick. And, you know, in a matter of days, it's going to be, you know, tax bill. And then they're going to focus on Obamacare, you know, repeal and replace. I mean, I think his goal is to just inundate them with so much stuff that maybe in the end he gets 80% of what he wants. And it's going to um, be wonderful. And, and it's more than what he would have gotten had he taken the, the linear approach. Yeah. You know? The, the other thing that I hope he does is, is we have to have term limits, first of all. And we have to say, second of all, nobody in Congress can vote for anything for themselves that isn't the same for the American people. Yes. Well, I mean, the hypocrisy of Obamacare where they said, this is good for all of you people, but we kind of like our insurance, so we're going to keep it the way it was. Just... And, and nobody hardly reported on that, but it's just complete hypocrisy. Yeah. It, they're, they're, I am 100% against incumbents. I don't care which party. We've got too many people like our current congressman who's been up there forever, and I don't even think he lives in the state of Texas anymore. He has an apartment, and that's about it. It's just it's ridiculous. He's just up there to have power. 
Yeah. Well, I totally agree with you on term limits. I, it, what do you guys think about him being a one-term president, being kind of getting all this stuff done, and then that's a great question. I, you know, I've never really thought of that. That 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 that's you know the only thing I would say is is, is his ego may not allow him to to do that. Uh, but you know, I, I could see him like, hey, I'm going to give this four years all I've got, and I'm you know, I'm done. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I got to Google here real quick and see exactly how old he is. Because if you, if he's 73, and I may be wrong about that, but if he's 73, talk about a president in his 80s if yeah. he gets a second term. Yeah. How old was Reagan at the end of his second term? I, he was You're up right. there. He he's, was sev- he's 70 now. 70. Se- seven on, so he'll be 71 in June. But see, Reagan. But see, he he. I think Reagan was older than Trump is now when he left after his eight years. I'm going to say that maybe Reagan was 76 when he left office. Yep, that probably sounds. So that means that he was elected right. at 68. So, uh, but the good news with Trump being elected president is that now we can forever close the argument of who is the hottest. First Lady. Yeah, that's pretty much been that's, that's settled. been put to bed. For, I think for, that's been settled forever. And really, the first daughter. Can we throw that one? Can we throw that one away? <laughs> Look, I, I think before this, it was Dolly Madison. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Now it's definitely. Yeah. Well, or, or that, or Best Truman. Yeah. Best was a babe. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, not to end on a political conversation. So you know, we, Colin, I know that you and I have had conversations about. Television shows. Um, I, I think was I the one that got you onto Breaking Bad? I can't remember. Yes. Okay. Yes, you were. So what? What shows have you and Lauren been watching mm. recently? Is there anything good that you need to let us know about? Okay. So um, I, I think you know we started Homeland again. Uh, the, the the recent season. is the new season good? It's in New York. I've not watched. I've not started it. It's okay, but it, you know, we just watched the first season last night, and Quinn is in a bad way. I mean, he's, yeah, it's kind of tough to watch. I mean, he's really, yeah. Do you remember the end of last season and they poisoned him and they, yeah. they brought him back from the precipice of death and it's kind of tough to watch. So, it, but yeah, it's it's pretty intense. Then the other one, and I can't recall the name. Uh, it's it's about the family down in the Florida Keys. Have you watched? Yes, oh, Bloodline. Yeah, Bloodline. Bloodline. That's oh, a good show. That is really intense. Good That's a good show. And it has the Friday made, Night Lights coach on. Yeah, on he's so good. The show. What's his name? I like that actor. actor. Yeah, he's really good. He is. He's intense. You know? Have y'all gotten into Stranger Things? Uh-uh. No, and I've heard that's really good. I saw Why? the first episode. Wait, wait, wait. So, so give me the latest. What are you guys watching? Stranger Things? Well, I finished Stranger Things and uh, I watched it with my daughter. It, and I just, it was like, I've heard people talk about it. Let's just watch it. And after that first episode, I was completely hooked. hooked. And, had, and it, there's only one season out, so I forget. It was a short season. But I don't like sci-fi, but it was really good. It was really well done. And oh, by the way, Winona Ryder, it's her comeback. Yeah. You know, she hasn't been in anything in forever. She used to be hot. Well, she yeah. got yeah. caught for... Stealing, kind of <laughs> she got caught down for <laughs> shoplifting. I mean, come on, come on. Look, look at done that look at, look at what Robert Downey Jr. did. For goodness' sake, can we? Can we forgive? Well, we 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 love our reformed drug addicts, but we cannot forgive the uh, the the thief, shoplifter. the shoplifter. Yeah. What about uh, Fargo? If y'all watch the oh, that's Fargo? Uh, that's that. a great, great that's a great show. Yeah. The okay, so we're not really watching anything now. We. We were watching the Emmy Awards, and the show called the the, the Night Watchman won for best. I haven't even heard of it. 
drama series. Yeah, so it, there's only six episodes, and and I, Hugh Laurie is in it. He won like for best oh, supporting great. actor, and the actor uh, that was nominated for that show in the best male actor um, in a drama series won. And I'm I'm sitting there, I'm like. The Night Watchman. I mean, it was up against Game of Thrones and all these other shows that I've watched. I'm like, this show wins? So we pulled it up. I mean, literally, immediately, the first show. I think it's on um, It's on Amazon. No, we bought it on iTunes. And it's not a bad... We, we, we've watched the first show, but it's good enough to continue on, and there's only six episodes. So okay. that's kind of a hot Night one. Watchmen. What about uh, books? Any good books? Man, I wish. So... Susie's in a book club, and they read all these uh, high literature books, uh-huh. which is good, because every once in a while she'll go, you need to read this one, you'll like this one. I just read one called A Gentleman in Moscow. It was awesome. Okay, I've heard of that one. It was really, really good. good. Matter of fact, it, it, it got me started, and I say started uh, because it's a long way to go. I just realized that, you know, a, a great piece like War and Peace, I've never read it, never don't know anything about it. And it's funny because the writing, at least for the first hundred pages or so in War and Peace, reminds me a lot of A Gentleman in Moscow. Okay. But that was really good. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Have y'all uh, read a book called Ready Player One? No. No. You'll need to pick that one up. Um, this was recommended to me by a, a, a guy y'all may know, Mark Sachs. And it's a sci-fi. Okay, I don't read sci-fi. Mark Sachs doesn't strike me as a guy that reads sci-fi either, <laughs> but he swore by this book. And so it's evidently um, the book that Mark Zuckerberg read, and then he went out and bought Oculus. You know the the oh yeah the, oh, the what is virtual that? reality virtual reality virtual stuff. Reality. It, it's fascinating. You won't be able to put it down. Uh, and it was written by a pretty young guy, but it, anyway, it's kind of set in the future. But he goes back and they're playing all these games. This guy to to, to kind of win this prize. Uh, but there's a lot of you know, kind of references to games that we grew up on, Space Invaders, Pac-Man, things like that, music and things like that. Really, really good book. The, I, I, I'm ashamed to say this. I started this book, um, and it's it's not it's not been finished. But the the Black Widow by Daniel Silva. Okay. And it's takes place. Well, it it takes place in France in the Middle East, and it's about you know terrorism and and kind of a. Uh, Modern spin on on kind of what's going on in in the real world. It's not bad, but it's not the, it's not good enough for me to finish. I fall asleep before I can. The Black Widow. The Black Widow. Right. The Black Widow. So real quick, did you guys get anything for Christmas that is worth talking about? Because I did get something for Christmas. Do tell. Uh I got I got the Amazon Echo. <laughs> and and I and. and and Alexa, and the, the 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 person who gave me the gift was very, very kind. It was a very thoughtful gift. Don't get me wrong, but I don't use it. Like I, I, I'm just not of the mindset where I need to walk into my bedroom and and talk to a cylinder and refer to her by Alexa <laughs> before she does anything that I ask her to do. And half the time, what I ask her to do, she doesn't respond. So really, it's kind of like a a digital version. I'm sorry, An, an Rob. animate version of my own wife. A, I can't give you a background. <laughs> I ask her to do things, and she doesn't respond. <laughs> I mean, so... You need some more functionality. Like, my daughter got saying. one, and, and I got one, and, and you know, you see the, the commercials on television all the time, and 
And you, know, you hear these news stories about little kids ordering things on Alexa or through Alexa, through Amazon, and you know, five hundred dollars worth of toys show up to the to the doorstep. <laughs> you know, thankfully that hasn't happened for to me yet. But I just eh, I I, I don't. Annie got one and she likes playing with it. Yeah, but I don't I mean, see. I mean, half the time I use Siri on my phone, it doesn't work. So yeah. I'm like, eh, so I, no, I don't want that. I just I don't have a, a positive bar. review. I'm just I'm I don't think that I'm the target audience for that. Yeah. As much as my life is wrapped around technology, I just, I don't, you know, other than setting the alarm, that's, that's all I really use it for. Yeah, so that's not working for you. No. Yeah. Right. But I think as, as, you know, I mean, you know, it can integrate with your security system and, you know, I'm not there yet, but, you know, maybe yeah. one day. Yeah. Maybe Alexis or Alexa 10.0. So, so let me, let me ask you guys, I, I'm just curious for your audience. I don't feel like, you know, they may know enough about you guys, you know, what, what, what's something kind of, you know, interesting about you guys that, that no one knows. I know something about you, Rob, that, that not many people <laughs> know or believe quite frankly, but. So the reason that, uh, that I like having guests on is because there's nothing interesting about me. <laughs> Yes, that's why. That's, that's why you invited me on. <laughs> we we uh, deflect from our from our pathetic lives by having pathetic people like you on as guests. <laughs> and then sometimes, depending wait, wait, on okay, the guests, well, we, we feel better about ourselves. Rob's, at the end. Rob's trying to dodge us here. What He's is it you know about you, Rob man. that's like that's interesting? Well, I mean, I, mean, I, you know, I was the, hard pressed. The to guy think. did an Iron Man. I mean, a full yeah, that's Iron old man. news. You don't listen to our podcast. I've dropped references to that. Oh, you have. It's still, it's still. Well, I haven't my, heard. I've listened my, to all well, your podcasts. So it's not just the Iron Man, but it was also that like what thousand mile hike you yeah, did. The oh yeah, the, the, you said that was worse. That was worse. That was much much worse. Where did you start from? Where, from Crested Crest Butte, Butte to, to Aspen. To Aspen. Um, what, what was it that that like kept you going? I mean, you, you've told me a little bit about it. Where but by the way, there's a, there's a shorter hike. We did the eleven mile. Yeah, I know. You told me that. I didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's just. Just all the training, and you know, I, I was blessed to have some wonderful friends do it with me, and and um, you know, just. But you're out I'm, there. I'm alone a pack at the end. You're you're kind of by yeah. yourself. And right? I and out I've I've woods. mentioned this to people that I've talked to about it, but but and, and this is this is no hyperbole. Like literally, I think I talked to God twice during that race. I mean, I reached a, a very, very, very low point, the breaking point, a point that I've never reached ever before in my entire life, and, and a place I'd never want to go back to again. I mean, I got severely dehydrated um, during the first part of the race for reasons that I won't, you know, bore people with. But then um, I, was, I was the caboose in that race, and I was alone Literally in the middle of nowhere for it was, what forty five miles forty six forty two it was forty four forty three I can't remember it but was the longer. course wasn't marked that well no it was, you know, it was there's no mark I mean like, there's like there were markers I shouldn't say that there were little ribbons that are tied to trees but you know you just kind of when you're by yourself and you don't know where you are um, and you're physically and mentally just drained you just go to a place that you know isn't a good one. Um, Remember in National Lampoon's Vacation where Chevy Chase was lost in the desert and he comes in all <laughs> I kind of see you coming into Aspen. <laughs> yeah. But um, here's the new challenge. The new challenge, and this is in 2018. Have I not talked to yeah, you about no, this? Yeah, no, you have. Yeah. I, and yeah. Brett, you need to join us. Um, is I want to, and I've, done, I've wanted to do this for a long time. 
uh, I want to go on a, a, an expedition um, to the top of Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro. Yeah. I've always wanted to do that. That and would be really cool to do. I just, I just think that would, you know, and the thing that attracts me to that challenge is it's a crapshoot in terms of who makes it up and who doesn't. And you can be the most fit person, you know, around and you may not make it up. The I talked to somebody the other you. day about that. His daughter uh, was on a trip and I asked him how many, and she, she made it to the, the summit, how many people were on the trip and then how many people didn't make it. And he said, I hope I got this right. Um, 20 people went and I think eight made it. So 12 didn't. So it's altitude kinda, affects people oh, very differently. Absolutely. But it's kind of that, yeah, it's, that's a, it's 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 a gamble. It's a gamble that's a on yourself. A little bit of a perverse reason to want yeah. to do it. I mean, it's it, like yeah, I, I can. Totally it's weird, see it. I, yeah. you know. I mean, most people would be like, you know, I'm out on that if I don't have some kind of a guarantee as to whether or not I'm going to get to the top. But I, I think that kind of is the allure for me. Yeah, and that's right. more of a hike to the top rather yeah, it's than not, a, not. There's no not technical, technical climbing. No, but you're in snow, right? Yeah, I mean, you're, yeah, you're. Yeah. So 2018 crampons and all that, but it's I, I don't I you may I I don't know enough yet to know if we need you need crampons, but yeah, 2018. All right, all right. Brett said he's in. I'm in. I'm in. I I want to be one of those twelve that doesn't. Make it. <laughs> <laughs> Just give up early. I'll be yeah, back in the hut, yeah, guys. <laughs> it looks tall. I'll don't go worry. Back I won't. Beer. I won't drink your beer unless I run out. Yeah. Hey, just listen. Just tell Susie that I was here the entire time. Yeah. Can you take this cardboard cutout and take, take a picture of me at the summit? Take a picture of me up at the top. Yeah. Right? Make it seem like I was to there. The south of Spain. I'm going to hit here, but. Colin, thanks a ton for yes, being Colin, here. Thank hey, guys, you. thanks for having me. I'm honored. Love the show. After being gone for so long while uh, while Rob was being better than us, yeah, it God. was He's great to have so you on <laughs> to get back into the swing of yeah, things. So gotta, thanks a lot. Knock him back down. Yeah. Oh, you guys are good at doing that. So when would you like to do the next podcast, Colin? You and I. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> this, this luggage over here. <laughs>